Hello, and welcome to a thundering edition of Talkie Talk, the podcast for the media by us. My name is Brent. I'm here today with TJ. Hey. And Chris. Hey. We are recording our words. <laughs> I wonder if we should back up record. Yeah, that's what I'm, oh, what yeah. I'm looking at. Good point. <laughs> You tried to sound language it, but eh, who listens to this like, thing anyway? He's just pointing at Chris's phone. He's like, "Do the fuck He was telling me he was giving me like what I interpreted as like a walkie-talkie symbol, and I was like, "Cool, I'm excited for that." Whatever it is, I was like, "This is where we record the things we say for posterity." Uh, we're gonna be talking about what we've been watching lately. Before we talk about that, we're gonna talk about a little DJ's tidbits. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Y'all forgot about TJ's tidbits. What? Uh, I want to talk about a movie that I didn't know existed. Wait, wait, okay. Wait, wait. Yes. Topical. Nice. It actually showed up on the waveform. <laughs> I was like, people are going to hear you go, wait, 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 and then silence. Right, I'm going to give you a cast list. You ready? Yeah. 2017 yeah. movie. Okay. Ooh, okay. I'm going to go top down. Oh. All right. Reverse Malton style. What do we get if we get it right? Uh, I don't know. Alright, cool. King of the, Podcasts! The rain on the parade of TJ's tidbits. Woody Harrelson. Owen Wilson. Wow. Willie Nelson. Yeah. Uh, Bono. Is it Drillbit Taylor 2? No. Daniel Radcliffe. Eleanor Matsura. She said that move. Uh, and nobody else I really know. <laughs> Okay. Uh, the movie is called Wilson, Lost in London. Okay. Never heard of it. Woody Harrelson's directorial debut. Cat review <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> there are people who love the cat content on our podcast. It's just my fiance. We might be doing. We might be a higher ranked cat podcast than a movie podcast. <laughs> Change our shit up. <laughs> so this was a directed, produced, and written by Woody Harrelson. He based it off of a night when he got arrested in New York mm-hmm. and had to spend the night in jail in 2016. Um, it is the live film ever. It had one release date in theaters, and it was filmed and streamed to that theater live. Wait, like, was it in Austin? Was it like that theater? What's the one in Austin that everybody talks about? Alamo no, it was at least in London. Uh, okay. Makes that sense. makes sense for the title. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so explain how, what a live movie is. So the movie theater was seeing what they were currently recording? Correct. Okay. It was like Saturday Night Live, but a movie. And then only to this theater. Right. It was like Saturday Night Live, but a movie, except... else. No, there were live audiences because they were filming on the streets of London. Okay. 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 <laughs> Did I make it a little bit? No, I'm just like... So I understand that Saturday Night Live has in it the elements of being a live variety show that is recorded and then simulcast live. Mm-hmm. But this is the opposite. There is a live audience that is not at all participating or observing what is happening on stage that is remotely being recorded and being streamed to the theater. Mm-hmm. So it's like the reverse of Saturday Night Live, but still being live. Is this the least profitable idea ever pitched to a movie? Like, to a... It doesn't have value. I don't have any numbers on its cost or total. It was actually screened, I apologize, uh, in 550 theaters. Okay, okay. okay. Live. I was about to say that I wouldn't call it a movie if it was just one theater. Starting at 1,800%. That's a play. (laughs) Yeah. The film was shot in a single take with one camera. The running time was 100 minutes. Uh, After the live showing, Harrelson participated in a QA and a session. In all the theaters, uh, had to have been all, and not just like two, right? Is one or all? And based on eight reviews, the movie's got a seventy-five percent on Metacritic. Huh? It's apparently not bad. Um, 
Yeah, my favorite quote though is from uh, Nick Curtis, a London Evening Standard reviewer, and he says, "A daft idea," which is my favorite thing for <laughs> a British movie uh, reviewer to start with. A daft idea, the kind of mad experimental challenge dreamed up by stone film nerds after a Hitchcock all nighter, but one he pulled off with considerable wit and brio. So I don't know. I kind of want to watch it just to see what the fuck it looks like, but. One hundred minute take. Has it been released in uh, like since, like in like a streaming format or something? Not or? that I could find. Yeah, anywhere. No. Wow. Is this Woody Harrelson's direct first directorial? Is this his debut? Yeah, this is only directorial. His, his, I feel his like last. I feel like his the next movie he directs, he can take zero lessons learned from the first one to this one. Right. Like yes. <laughs> like what? What is? Yeah. No editing. Yeah. He had one cinematographer who held the camera. And that's pretty much the crew. How are you lighting? How are you even directing the movie? Yeah. I mean I mean I get that there are directors for live television shows, but like their role is way different than a movie director. Right. He's more like a play director, like a yeah, yeah, which is just like rehearsals and prep. Not even a play director, he's more of a stage manager. Like But he's in it. So he probably had to hire someone to actually direct. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but you can't be you can't be yelling like action and shit in well, a hundred minute continuous take. I mean, you can one time. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. I w- I would love to know what the Q and A was like because I my first question would be why, and that's it. That's yeah. my whole question. Yeah. I feel like my response would just, uh, regardless of what he answered, my uh, my reaction would just be like, alright. <laughs> like, alright. Cool. I'm doing, I'm doing another quick search on the... Just Watch? Yeah, just to make another, sure. Another tidbit to blow our minds. No. No, oh, fuck, it's on Hulu. Well, there you go. So, I'm gonna watch that shit at some point. Just to, I'm just super fucking curious. I'm a Willie Nelson film completionist, <laughs> also, so... <laughs> But it's weird. It's like, like it's like, I don't know if you are. <laughs> I feel like there's a chance Willie Nelson's been in like 50 movies, and we just don't know it. It's just it's like all the direct to DVD Dukes of Hazard spinoffs. <laughs> but it's like watching Daisy's first pair of shorts or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to me, it feels like like watching like a live episode of a sitcom, like years afterwards. Like some of the, like the luster and appreciation is generated in the moment when you watched it live. Like SNL skirts that because that's not the main. The main emotion they go for isn't uh, isn't just like the spectacle and the impressive technical ability of the cast and the crew. It's like it's humor for SNL. Before what did the The Office had a live episode, right? No, or, 30 Rock did. 30 Rock. That's what I'm thinking. 30 <clears throat> Rock makes sense. Right. They're kind of cribbing from... Kind SNL. Of, yeah, SNL. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, all... In that episode... West Wing had a live show. Right. One. I mean, that that used to be like a stunt. Is right. that, like, in the, the aughts, people would have a live show, and I think The Simpsons had a live episode. Wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's, <laughs> what I was about to say. The animator's wrist just fell off. Our hands just fell off. <laughs> there is definitely an. It's either, it's either Family Guy, South Park, or The Simpsons had a live episode. All of which present the same te- technological. Like, technical. Like, South Park less dilemmas. So. Yeah, yeah, South Park less so. But, like, watching it after the fact, it's just like, oh, this is just another episode of the show. Right. I wonder if you will think that it is a daft idea watching it now. It's a daft idea. <laughs> um, I'm going to segue into me going first on the watch list. Everybody cool with that? That's a good segue. Alright. <laughs> We're getting segues down. I just want to bring it up every time because they're so good. Uh, I watched a few things and talked about a couple. And one of them y'all watched with me. Uh, Cass was asking about, I was talking to her about Star Wars uh, coming out in December, watched the trailer with her, and she said, I really liked that last one we saw. I was like, yeah, it's fucking incredible. We're talking about The Last Jedi. 
And she was like, who directed that? And I was like, oh. And I told her the whole story about the Ryan Johnson and the backlash and the bullshit. And all yeah. That. And I was like, he directed Brick, which we had heard watch Brick a few years ago. And she was like, Brick was really good. Yeah. I was like, he's a really good director. You should watch Looper. Looper's great. Yeah. And she hadn't seen it. So we watched Looper. Uh, the first time I'd seen it since it came out. Uh, movie's really good. Ryan Johnson's a really fucking good director. <laughs> yeah. I'm hearing really good things about Knives Out. And yeah, that's kind of why I was in prep for it. Because I was like, because... Uh, listeners won't know, but y'all know, like, Cat Knives Out is going to be like Cass's movie. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it looks like a super fun ride and getting great early festival love. But uh, Looper was really fucking good. It's a really good story. They do a good job of, uh, or he does a good job, I'll say, of not, like, making the twist. Y'all both seen Looper? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. I, so the, yeah. the main plot of Looper is that, you know, Bruce Willis is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. The future comes back, and he's trying to kill the uh, Rainmaker, who's this like guy who's mysterious in the future who takes over the five big syndicates uh, by himself without an army. And it's also in a world where they've had time travel, and there are TKs, people who are telekinetic. Right. And you find out that the kid is probably super telekinetic, and uh, you know goes through some bad shit when he's a kid and turns into like a super villain when he grows up. Right. You never see him as an adult, but uh, they do a good job of not making that a twist. And kind of just having a slow reveal and let you kind of figure it out, I thought. But uh, it was also before I really knew much about Emily Blunt. She's fantastic in it. She's a really good actress. Kind of on board with anything she's in these days. Yeah. I watched the Mary Poppins sequel finally a couple weeks ago. And she was... The movie's fine, but she was fantastic. Right. Um, But yeah, Just Gordon Levitt was good. Story was good. Uh, And people like working with Ryan Johnson. You got great supporting actors in that. Paul Dana's got like a five minute scene. Paul Dana's fucking great. Yeah. I was I I remember being the thing that I was most impressed with when I watched Looper the first time was how good but still understated the prosthetics were on Joseph Gordon Levitt. Because rather well it was it's like normally when you've got a young actor and you're portraying an old version of them, you age up or you 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 like I feel like old prosthetics are easier, or not easier, but more well done, uh, more widely done. That's what I mean to say. Yeah, more, I more think widely it's done. A- so, so making Joseph Gordon-Levitt's face and jaw structure look more like he will become Bruce Willis. I thought was really cool, but still recognizably Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Still recognizably yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but it's like uncanny. Not not to the point of the uncanny valley, but it is different enough that you're like, oh. I see now, looking at their faces, that this makes sense. Right. Yeah. But, I highly recommend Looper. It's good. It's probably not as good as Brick or The Last Jedi, but it's really good. Um, definitely recommend Brick if nobody's seen that. It's yeah. a fantastic indie film. Have you seen that, Brick? It's been a long time. It's been a while, yeah. but I would like to rewatch both of those movies. Yeah. Is Looper streaming on something? Or did you rent it? Uh, no, it's streaming on something. Cool. I'll, I, I didn't. I'll, I'll track it down. Did not purchase it. Uh, and then we all ended our long theater drought together. Yeah. Uh, me and Brennan just been slammed all summer, and Chris was under the weather for a month or so. Yep. And we all got together and went and saw It Chapter 2. Chapter 2 of many chapters. Just two. Oh. <laughs> okay. I was wondering where they would go from here. That is, that is a funny thing. I was listening to a movie podcast where they have, like, a couple people who are, like, movie watchers, movie buffs, and specifically they're like big Stephen King fans, and, and one of the guys who was on who wasn't a movie buff was like, do you think they're going to do a chapter three? <laughs> I mean, have y'all heard that he is releasing the supercut? Yeah. Is that just like a combined version of the two movies? In the form of the old... Like TV series? Yeah. And yeah. book. Um, which goes back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, between the present day and the 80s and the new one, I guess. Right. It, you, not, not to bite your segment too much, but I think I would like that better than I liked it chapter two. Um, I I think that my least favorite thing from it chapter two was seeing flashbacks to events and tones and scenes that we as an audience who watch it chapter one already knew. Um, it, did you say your least or your favorite? My least favorite. Oh, uh, your least favorite? Yeah. Like, take... It was it was good for the pacing of the movie to get a flashback with Bev about his, her father, 
But for me, I didn't need that again. Like, I started this movie knowing what happened in the first chapter and didn't need the movie to, after the gay bashing scene to open, to then cut back to moments after they defeat it for the first time for them to do the oath again. I think you learn things about two characters from that part of the filmmaking. Uh, from flashbacks in general or that scene? Well, the, fl- the flashbacks of all of them. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of, I, I agree. I picked two characters. Uh, Richie. Richie and Bill to some extent. And Bill to yes. some extent. The rest were just sort of rehashing. Right. And Richie was big. And it, it yeah. led to the plot of the movie and that's kind of what uh, he ended up doing that was very outside of the uh, original miniseries or the book is Richie's sexuality. And I thought it came across great. Yeah. Worked out fine. Yep. Um, yeah, the whole didn't Richie. Didn't seem like pushed at all. No. Yeah. So. What I'm specifically talking about with the flashbacks is I think that they were overused maybe as like either a way to catch people up or as a tension breaker because I did like all the the three characters whose flashbacks I liked and I liked Richie, I liked Eddie, and I liked Stanley. Anytime we went back to see any of what they were doing, I really liked it. What was Stanley's? I'm trying to remember. Stanley's was the uh, was his bar mitzvah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was good. Yeah. 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 And I think that is a very important scene yeah. for I'll, Richie. I'll yeah. amend my comment to three. I forgot about Stanley yeah. being one. Yeah, um, that was helpful. But, like, Ben's flashback and his going to find the totem, I think, is almost, like, plot hole worthy. Um, because they, as adults, have to go and find their totems, but Ben has had his all along. So then he has a thrown-in scene where he goes to the school and then it flashes back to him as young Ben where young Bev scares him and chases him into the locker and then we get a jump scare from it and then that's it. And that doesn't develop Ben as a character for me at all because I watch It Chapter 1. And I know that that's like... I'm asking a lot of a sequel because sequels do get people who don't watch the first movie and they want to exist on their own. But I'm nitpicking. I love the movie. So wait, why plot hole really then? I was waiting for that. Because as adults, they're supposed to now go, now that they're in Derry, to find their totem. The thing that ties them to Derry and the relationships that they have with each other. Yeah, but you... you but Ben has... But you find ben, out at the end that it's all bullshit. Right, you find out at the end that it's all bullshit, but it's still a plot machine. So if you say it's all bullshit, then like, why did we get any of it? And it's to develop the characters... But when we've already got the development about Ben, that he was, like, the outcast, he was fat, he was the new kid, he had a crush on Bev, and then we get that full resolution, like, the scene with him in the high school is just for development of his relationship with Bev, and not the totem the way that we get with other characters. That's interesting. I thought it was all... uh, My take on it was it was all bullshit because Mike needed them to remember more fear and remember what they were doing and why they had to do it. And he thought if they were alone, put back in these horrible moments, they'd be more likely to remember why they were there and what they were doing. I, I mean, I'm not saying that was no, no, e- no. explained to us, but it was... I get that, and, and I, I almost see every other character's moment as a moment when they were a kid where they showed a moment of strength. And that's something that they were drawing on. That was their actual totem. Uh-huh. But, like, Ben's doesn't fit that mold at all. Right. Because we still get scenes in the present after we get him going to the school in the flashback where he sees her saying that she loves Bill and getting crushed by it. So he's not developing in that way and pulling like the experiential totem and then he already has his totem. I don't know. It felt like... Well, because Ben never forgot though, right? But he did. Ben forgot. No. He kept it in his wallet, but he didn't... he He doesn't let on in the movie... That he knows why he held on to it. I think he never forgot Bev. I think we have to assume that if he had that thing in his wallet. I mean, judging by somebody who's 17 years later who's changed wallets multiple times, he's he's seen that thing multiple times. Sure. So he at least remembers some of Derry. I forget what he says when he pulls it out of his wallet and puts it in the urn, but he says something about, like, I don't know why I kept this, but he does talk about it meaning a lot to him when he pulls it out. I don't... It's, I don't know. I mean, I see what you're saying. I didn't love that part of the movie. And uh, before the movie went, me and Brent had a conversation, and I think it was me and you, and I was like, if they have to hash back with every one of these kids, it's going to get a little draggy at times. Yeah. Right. And it pushed right up on that, but it never quite got there for me. It was a little over long, but not 
For me, there is one thing that kept it from getting there. And that is Pennywise. <laughs> the fucking star of this movie for me. Oh, he's so good. He is, you know, nothing against Bill Hader. Bill Hader did a very good job as adult Richie. And there's a lot of attention on Bill Hader. But yeah. I'm like, I'd like to redirect some of that attention to the fantastic work of uh, Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. yeah. He's so good. Yeah. He's so good. He's so iconic. Instantly iconic from the and, movie two uh, years ago. And it's... So hard to do. It's like uh, fucking Heath Ledger, Jack Nicholson shit. Yeah. I mean, the Tim Curry Pennywise is something that people that are older than us see as iconic. Right. Yeah. And uh, he totally... I don't want to say I played him, but I mean... Did, maybe. Like, he, I think I had some... I had some... <clears throat> I don't want to call them structural problems with this movie. Because I think they were... I don't know. My take on this movie is like, yeah, this movie was going to have some issues because of the choice to split the two timelines. Right. And Which I makes think movie A incredible. That's that's what my argument is. Yeah. I was like, chapter two is the sacrifice to make it from twenty seventeen one of the the great adaptations in horror. That's right. and that and that's where I end up falling for all of like and I am really just nit, like picking nits. But the reason why I am doing that is because after watching Chapter 2, I like Chapter 1 so much more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you're right, though. It's it's We ha- we spend a lot of time with characters, and for the majority of them, we don't... There's no new development, really. Yeah. It's just, it's just resolution of right. something that uh, was probably semi-resolved in a more interesting way when they were kids. Like, the kids' part is so much better, I think. Uh, the kids are such. Yeah, I think it's because the kids are good actors, and it's hard to find a cast of good kid actors. And he found, yeah, at least five. Right. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with the adult performances or anything. There's nothing yeah. wrong with anything in the movie. None of them are bad. It's just that yeah. they don't do. It's like when I think of of, of Bill, do I think of the ki- James McAvoy or do I think of the kid? I think of the kid. Yeah. And you know, did. Jessica Chastain, she kind of looks the part, but did she really bring anything to Bev that no. was new? So, Not really? So, Sophia Lillis is is like the actress that I'm looking out for the most. Yeah. We got a trailer for what's probably going to be a bad horror movie in Hansel, or Gretel and Hansel. But, like, I want to watch it because I want to support Sophia Lillis because she was uh, so fucking good. Apparently, the Nancy Drew movie is, like, really good. Yeah. it's That's on HBO right now, yeah. I think. I did like. I, I think the for me the exceptions were were Bill Hader. Uh, I think brought a new. I mean, it's not he didn't really drastically change Richie, but he he got a little more to do with Richie than the yeah, others. And did we, with I didn't characters. want those characters drastically changed. No. So and then uh, I liked Adult Eddie too. He was good. I mean, I thought McAvoy was really really yeah. good too. Yeah, McAvoy had a couple of scenes that I, I thought were really good. The Funhouse Mirror scene. Oh yeah, and, and him breaking down in the street with the. Make up a lie. Tell your parents. Just get the fuck out of dairy. I yeah. thought his, the basement scene was really good. Basement scene was really good. Um, yeah, but McAvoy's one of those. We talked about him on the podcast multiple times. Yeah, he's definitely got the talent to be a great. He just has some bad choices. Yeah, he he falls in a rut from time to time. Yeah. There's um, there's there's something that I also I I think for me my favorite scene of that whole movie though is under the bleachers. And so good. Oh, That's yeah. that. It's great. Yeah. We recreated the sewer scene for you. Yep. It's yep. a. It's a. Yeah. It's an update on Georgie. Yeah. yeah. And that is that is Pennywise full range, and that's what I love about the Bill Skarsgård performance. Yeah. Is you get the honeypot of being a clown with a little kid. You get the like terrifying awkwardness that kids won't pick up, and you the the physical performance is you know we've talked about it before. But, like, Skarsgård can do that with his mouth, he can do that with his eyes, and he's trained with contortionists. So there's a lot of the physical performance that he just did that a director would have had to green screen or CGI, and then you've got the sheer horror moment in the way that that scene ends. And it's just, like, that scene, I feel like, exists a few times in Chapter 1 and only once in Chapter 2. And it just has to. Right. Because Chapter 2 is the resolution. Right. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, the resolution does take a while, too. They're down there for a while. There was a moment where I was like, this movie's getting a little long, and I checked my watch, and I was like, there's 45 more minutes. Yeah. Uh, It's not enough to make it a bad movie or anything. Right. I I still very much like the movie. Yeah. 
But yeah, it's great. It's kind of like every time it would start to drag, it would just be some new terrifying Pennywise thing. I'm like, yay! Yeah, me and Chris got to sit on either side of Chris's uh, fiance Kelly, who's been on the show before. And every jump scare worked on her. Yeah, <laughs> every fucking one. <laughs> it was yeah. great. Uh, I am. I am. I know that you guys have read the book. I've not. You haven't. No. But I know that you're uh, a Stephen King fan. Yeah, yeah, I like him. Um, and TJ, I know you've read the book, and My I know. Book. I and I know you both. Have you both watched the TV miniseries? Yeah, I think I've. I, I saw it like when I was a kid. <laughs> I've, I've. I rewatched it with Cass right before the it chapter one came out. My my other nitpick is I really don't understand the role of Bowers in this movie. So Bowers is so it can only prey on things that will believe in him. Right. That's why he eats kids because kids are imaginative and the adults won't ever see right Pennywise in that form. Sure. Bowers is super weak minded, so he's easy to get to. Right. So he can go do the bidding of Pennywise, which has killed these people who are trying to kill him when Pennywise can't. Okay, so before they have remembered that Pennywise is a real threat, Pennywise goes and gets Bowers out of jail, and Bowers' undead friend who drives their way around. That not in the book, but I get it in the... Yeah. I mean... You need something to move a character from that, point A to point B. That book is so fucking long that he spends like 100 pages about how he gets Bowers out of jail. Right. And then Bowers pretty much goes on a run. There's shit in the book that were left out that needed to be... Bev's abusive husband falls into dairy in the book. Yeah. Oh, really funny moment for us uh, during the least funny scene. Uh, our lights turned on in our theater, so I don't actually, I like, I don't, I didn't see how that got resolved. I didn't either. Neither. So, uh, so Bev leaving for dairy and her abusive husband catching on that. And when we say our lights cut on, not like when you walk into a theater, like the lights cut on like you were in a grocery store. Yeah. Scariest part of the movie for me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It was the only thing that got me. It was the only jump scare that got me. Was when I don't know why, but just like fucking bright lights, just spotlight. I was like, oh my, oh my, oh my god, something's happening at the theater. So, yeah, I, th- I honestly thought that someone was going to come in and tell us to not leave the theater because there was an active shooter or something. Yeah, that was where my I entertained went. the possibility. Yes, and then when everyone was getting when everyone was getting really frustrated, the lights were on. I was like, I'm just happy that we're in here and there's nothing bad happening in here. Right. In here, right. Yeah, it's happening, it's happening. I was yeah. keeping my ears peeled for things in, like, yep. through the walls and yeah. whatnot. So, so you, you think that the scariest uh, thing that could happen, or, or that, like, the grossest that a movie theater is, is when the lights are on. And you're right, that is probably the grossest the movie theater looks. But it is also, like, one of the most shocking in, like, the day and age we're in now. That, like, why are the lights on? It, it's probably employee competence, but if it's not... Right. Yeah. Luckily, at that theater, I was more confident that it was employee incompetence. Yeah. We won't say which theater it was. Uh, But uh, it was the the Crackle Theater in (laughs) Georgia. No, um, yeah. The other thing I want to point out... future jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You'll get that three days from now. Um, The uh, other thing I do want to point out at that moment is uh, anytime things go bad in theaters like that, you, you... Everybody in the theater is like, look, kind of looking around. Gets, you see the first guy get up. The first guy gets up. You're like, like twelve people get up, and you're like, you're like, okay, he that's, got it. That's the guy. Yeah, the way to go, guy. Thank you, guy. Thank you, yeah. guy. And then every time, though, invariably, you get like another person gets up right after that guy leaves, and he's like, I guess I'll go tell him. And then it's like a third person who's like, oh, somebody's gonna do this. Yeah. And I'm like, are you expecting to just go see that guy at like the popcorn stand, just like, look like, up. Oh, Free intermission. <laughs> like he's like not concerned at all with what just happened. Right. Anyway, no, it's like people who press the the button at the elevator when it's already lit. That's oh, so annoying. Or the or, the crosswalk after somebody's just pressed. Anyway, if I would if I would have known how long the lights were going to be off, I would have gotten up to go to the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Two hour and forty three minute movie. Anyway, it didn't feel like it though. It it, it 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 was too long. I felt it was like fifteen minutes too long. But it did not feel like a three hour fucking movie. No. 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 Uh, by the way, fuck the Birds of Prey trailer beforehand. Uh, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like like good marketing. When I say fuck it, I mean like I fell for it. Like good marketing. They had the uh, for listeners and Brent who shuts out uh, trailers now. I didn't, I didn't see it. <laughs> 
uh, it had a red balloon come up, uh, and uh, well, more than that, they they ran the they ran all of the trailers before it. They ran the this is your theater. You could have gotten a popcorn, silence your cell phones. They ran the like. Your movie's about to start. Like, everything in your instincts, having watched movies for as old as you are, the movie is about to start. But because it is produced by Warner Brothers, and the new Harley Quinn movie is also pro- produced by Warner Brothers, you got a secret extra trailer before, and it was a red balloon running yeah. across the screen. Harley Quinn saying, I'm so tired of the clown thing. Right. After she pops up. I don't know. I'll watch that movie because she was by far the best part of Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. It was cool. a, a clever marketing. You can't... You can not watch trailers, but you can't show us on a movie podcast for watching trailers. Before... I don't pay attention. <laughs> after we have <laughs> talked about the movie that we all saw in theaters. <laughs> For the unique event that only happened in this screening. Right. Not this screening, but the screenings for this movie. Um, uh, you watching anything else, CJ? That's it for me. Uh, I'll go. Okay, cool. I pulled up my list. Uh, so, I think last time when we left off, I was still working through my uh, Wachowskis. Wachowski uh, You just run. started it. Yeah, yeah, and I think I talked about Matrix movies and yeah, Cloud Atlas and whatnot, yeah. Yeah. but I finished it up with Jupiter Ascending. I'd never seen that movie before. Yeah, I watched Jupiter Ascending this week, too. I've seen Jupiter Ascending. What are your thoughts on Jupiter Ascending? I think it's bad. You think it's just bad? I think that it is pretty awful. I think that it's terrible and somehow a little bit entertaining to mm. me. I wasn't entertained. Explain the entertaining part. I don't know. I just kept watching it. Well, if your <laughs> answer is that, I kept watching old. it too. Is that all that entertaining is now? <laughs> well, it's just sort of finishing like, movies. You know, sort of, I mean, uh, if you you have the option to cut it off, here, here, here's well, if that's the case, most movies I've watched have been entertaining. <laughs> here's the thing that I'll agree with you, you on like too. I did want to know what happened next. Yeah, that's all. I wanted to know what happened before. Often, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was fun. <laughs> Yeah, I would. Uh, that's what it is. It's it's just more of like a yeah. I want to see where this goes. That's, that's kind of there was a lot of like what is happening. This is like, good, but did let's you find out. Uh, yeah, she ascended. <laughs> I don't even remember. I don't even know what that means. She ascended early though. That happened in the first. She just kept on doing minutes. it. She just kept on ascending. She's still Voyager two and just, just <laughs> out of the guys out. Um. I watched the scene three times where they explained the like plot of the movie and why Mila Kunis's character needed to be gotten, and I didn't it made remember. no sense. I never understood it. No, it made no sense. Yeah, no. Um, also, what made no sense was every acting choice made by Eddie Redmayne on, <laughs> yeah. on the set of that movie. <laughs> yeah, you know that's really polarizing. People, people love, love him in that, movie. that performance. Yeah. People, that is that is a stalwart where people will defend the movie based on Redmayne being good. I mean, people, he's. I know what he's going for. I can see so what I he's told going you that before for. Before we watched it, I was like, "Apparently, Redmayne's like a shining star in this movie." Yeah, and I watched it and I was like, well, "I was wrong." And then I read about it and I was like, "I was right," but they were wrong, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> yeah, it was not good. I kind of like Mila Kunis in the movie. Just I like, like Mila Kunis like doing a, anything on screen, like a that's sort of a base I level. Like, I said that about Channing Tatum, and then I watched this movie. Boy, like, how they, do they suck the charisma out of that dude? Yeah. The charisma and the good looks and the yeah, everything they, that Channing Tatum brings to a screen. Well, like his agent was probably like, "Hey, uh, do you want to do a role that no one would expect you to do?" And he just said yes and didn't hear the rest of it. This is me starting Jupiter sitting because I get the whole backstory scene in Russia with the robbery and all that. Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh, okay. I didn't expect this. I thought it was like 100% sci-fi." Yeah. So I'm 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 in. And then you get the Channing Tatum introduction, and then the the black guy, the people that are hunting him. Yeah. Those two people made no sense. Yeah, I don't know who she, they work and for. And he was just like, "Oh, he's a fling florp." And she was like, "How can you tell?" And he goes, "The boots." And they zoom in on the boots, and I think I went, "Oh no, <laughs> this is a movie. This is definitely so." A movie. Yeah, the way to kill Channing Tatum's charisma is to give him dog ears and. Make him wear a prosthetic wire around his jaw that makes it hard for him to move his mouth. Yeah. It, he found it difficult to speak his lines in this movie. Uh, anyway, that's a movie. Have you watched Sense8 yet? I have not. I, I watched about two episodes of Sense8, couldn't make any Sense8 of it, and... It doesn't... It. It's... It, this is like every fan of a TV show that no one should like says this line... It takes time to get into it. 
Yeah. I believe that, and I realized that, and I was like, I don't want to take the time right now. Yeah. So okay. that makes sense. So I'm just going to put this on the shelf and maybe watch it down the road. Yeah, because I think the first episode of Sensei is all about like the heroin addict dying. I think there's like like thirty minutes dedicated to that. You do feel like that's going to be like the MacGuffin, and it's not. Yeah, it is like pretty much nothing. To do I forgot about that episode because it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So one interesting movie I watched is uh, I rounded out my Andy Machete. Uh, Filmography. I watched Mama. Piggyback off me and we were for Cass. Yes. Nice. Me and we were playing a nerdy board game here, and Cass was like, What if I, like, not in a annoying way, but she was like, What should I do? And me and Brent were like, You should watch Mama. So I rented Mama, and then Brent went this home and watched Mama. <laughs> uh, Mama's pretty good. It's not bad. It's solid. It's a decent little horror movie. Did do you remember if she liked it or not? She was lukewarm on it. Yeah. Like, That's- it's fine. She said it was kind of interesting, and then it turned into a boring ghost story. Her her, her five on a horror movies, most people seven. So yeah, I take that. The uh, yeah, I would agree. It does kind of turn into kind of a boring ghost story once once it all gets. She settled. said that when you finally see Mama, she looked kind of creepy and cool. Yeah. Um, the the premise for the movie is pretty interesting, which is uh, Nikolai Costa Waldau. Costa Waldau uh, goes. You see it after. You don't see this, but you find out that he has gone on a shooting spree at his job after the financial crisis. And, okay. and uh, he goes home, kills his wife, kidnaps his two girls, tries to escape with them, wrecks his car, winds up at this cabin out in the woods, and is planning to just kill his daughters and kill himself. And just as he's about to kill his daughter, Mama, uh, gets, him. Mama gets him. And she then raises the girls as her own for that they're alive for the next few years and so they're sort of like feral humans raised by a ghost raised by a ghost is she a ghost when she raises them yes okay and uh so when she kills him he's she's already yes. ethereal yes okay and then the real the confusing thing is when Nikolai Costa Waldau shows up again <laughs> and it's and it's like unexplained is like he a ghost no no it's the twin brother that oh, they, god damn it it's just like but it's not like a twist he shows up, he winds up being like one of the protagonists. So oh. he, he goes like, he f- is like finding, trying to find his nieces. I bet he dies. And he, twin his die? girlfriend is Jessica Chastain. Does Nicholas Costa Waldo die twice in this movie? Yes. Yes. Called it. Wait, does he die? No, he doesn't. Sorry. No, no. Damn. No, no. He, he gets a... Uh, he gets Sometimes you have to have that bead protagonist die right. in these kind of movies, you know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. But the, what... They avoid the death by... And this is where the movie really kicks into higher gear, which is uh, he uh, rescues his two girls from the cabin, brings them home to live with him and his girlfriend. Okay. Uh, Jessica Chastain. She's she's very good in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I knew that people said she should be in it chapter two, mainly because she was so good in this movie. Um, what happens then is he gets... Uh, for, I even forget the details of how he winds up in, a, in like a, a coma. He winds up in a coma leaving her to raise these two girls. She's just a girlfriend, and she's kind of having to temporarily raise these two girls on behalf of him. She has no real interest in it, so she's kind of... Chastain winds up playing... You know that typical role in movies, in horror movies like this, where it's like the protective mama bear? Yeah. So it's sort of like mama versus mama. She's the quote-unquote mama who never wanted to be in that role. Okay. So that adds a, a good dynamic to her role in the movie. How's the direction? Uh, the direction's fine. It's pretty good. There's some creepy scenes. There's actually a really great scene with uh, flashbulbs. It's kind of a throwback to Rear Window. Where, oh, cool. where it's, this guy's trying to get photos of mama or scare mama with uh, flashbulbs. But a few good moments, but overall... Yeah, it's, it is just turns into a uh, haunted house kind of thing where okay. Mama finds a portal to their house. Cool. Uh, let's see, anything else? I'll save some of these others for when I complete the next director I get on. So uh, we'll move on to Chris. Cool. Well, I've got, a, after It Chapter 2, I've got two new-ish movies I want to highlight. Um, they're like pay to stream right now, so free to stream soon. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's funny that TJ has edited his watch list or hasn't seen these yet because he was like, these are available on my voodoo. You can watch them if you want. So we watched them back to back. Um, so I watched the live action Aladdin and I watched uh, Tolkien. 
Okay, yeah, I've seen Aladdin. I've not seen Tolkien. That movie doesn't look entertaining to me. I'm sure I'll watch it because it's on voodoo, but I'm just like, ugh. Well, then I'll, I'll start with that one. It's yeah. not very entertaining. Okay. okay. Um, it's, you have to know nothing about Tolkien, I think, to be thoroughly entertained by it. Like, if you go into the movie Tolkien not knowing that J.R.R. Tolkien was a linguist first, right, and then a fantasy writer later, then you are going to be blown away. Because that's what the movie's about. The movie is about him finding an unexpected relationship with these other boys in his prep school uh, because they all are being pushed towards an academic career, but their true passion is some art, whether it's uh, like poetry or composition and music or, in Tolkien's case, you know, as a novelist. Um, so that's what it's about, and because he his... Like, fascination and push towards the academic world is based in, like, linguistics. Like, he kind of does both at the same time. Um, I didn't know it was that deep. I knew he did, only because of the Elvish shit. And right. And Orcish and all that, but... Neat. Uh, yeah, so, so, so Tolkien, uh, famously and in the movie, develops, like, the languages first. Where uh, he's having conversations with uh, uh, Lily Collins' his character, his future wife, in... Um, real world, uh, Edith Bratt is her name in, in the, uh, real world. And they like, she's like, tell me something. And so he makes up a word and they start kind of like fucking around with what that word could mean in a fantasy context. Right. And he starts correcting her about like what the word kind of sounds like that it couldn't be a person that it has to be a place and it couldn't be a place that everyone could get to. It has to be like an ethereal place. And that's kind of how he starts to, like, build this thing. Okay. But it's... It's a fine story. But it feels kind of like Solo, like a Star Wars story. In that, like, we know how it all ends. And so now we're going to get the coming-of-age story. Yeah. And we're going to hit the highlights on it. Okay. Sounds um, like That a, makes sense. It almost sounds like a standard musical biopic without the music. Oh, for sure. If you would have said this music, it would have been more enjoyable. Yeah. Like, it's a fine movie. Like, I like Nicholas Holtz. I think that he's a good actor who uh, has unfortunately been shoehorned mostly for his moneymakers into a bad franchise in the X-Men. But he's good in this. He acts well. Uh, But really, I think the exemplars are the boys. Um, Not to bring it back to It Chapter 1, but, like, they've got a cast of, like, young kids who play the precocious prep school dickhead really well uh, and when they're still all that age it's I think great and when you learn the most about J.R. Tolkien the fantasy writer that we know okay I think it was David Ehrlich of IndieWire who his review of this movie was one of my favorite reviews of the year because it was uh, it was uh, wait give him some space don't you know that J.R.R. Tolkien has to remember every single event of his life before he writes the greatest fantasy series of all time. Nice. There's a there's a weird frame story because it uh, also involves him being because uh, he was uh, drafted for World War One, and so that's the main frame story. Uh, is it's him as a soldier in World War One in the trenches, and hmm. like Star Wars story like Solo you get so much of, like, that's Samwise Gamgee in, like, whatever character is happening <laughs> yeah, in his right. life. Like, to a point where, like, you kind of lose... I mean, I don't know how, like, tried and true or it actually is, but I have heard that The Lord of the Rings was a pretty pure allegory for Catholicism and faith. Yeah, him and, uh... T.S. Lewis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Uber-Christians. Uh, Both of them. And you do get some of his relationship with a priest, but there's like, you entirely lose that concept that that is the basis for The Lord of the Rings if you just watch this movie. Right. Like, The Lord of the Rings is about his buddies and his experience in war and his like, you know, pianist ingenue who's being held back because her family wants her to just stay with them and entertain socialites and she can't like hang out in the quote-unquote realm of men to love him. 
Um, it just it feels very like like the guy behind you in the theater tapping you on the shoulder, going, "That's Liv Tyler's character <laughs> in the movie." At least you know I know you're, <laughs> you compare it to Soul, and now I can't help but think, well, like, well, at least there aren't scenes like where it's, he's like. Uh, go into school and it's like state your name and he gives his full name and he's just like J.R.R. I'm just gonna call you J.R.R. Not writing down all that. You should watch this movie. And then uh, I also want a scene where he's like uh, he's like those mountains and someone else is like they're very misty. <laughs> he's just like aha. To, to your first point that happened. Oh my god no. <laughs> They call him like Jared Tolkien, and he's like, "I don't like, I don't go by that." And he like corrects them. Uh, it, it, there's like they do a thing about how to pronounce. Is it Tolkien or Tolkien? It's Tolkien, and he corrects the headmaster. But there is a point where they say like, "Oh, like so and so, like author," and they talk about the because <laughs> they're going to call him J. Tolkien. Anyway. That's it's it's an okay movie with yeah. like I think a bad plot but well acted. Yeah. So I'll probably check it out. It's 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 the thing it's the problem we had with RBG last year where it's like fans uh, aren't coming to this for any good reason. People who know nothing about it are going to love this movie the most. Um right. But <laughs> and the other one that was on Voodoo is I watched the live action Aladdin. Yeah, I do. So I actually watched the beginning of that movie. Uh, we were, we watched we were gonna watch it one night, and then uh, I think something came up where we needed to watch something else. Uh, the animated version started playing miraculously, <laughs> uh, and the movie was fun. Yeah, I think it's good. It's good. It I, is it is by far the best live action Disney movie I've seen under this rehash. Sam's Jungle Book. Jungle Book. Yeah. Right. That's I was gonna say that of the live action Disney movies. And of which I've only seen four. Oh, it's far better to be the beast. It's far Cinderella's boring as shit. Yeah. Any of the Snow White movies. It's I haven't seen Lion King yet. I haven't seen Lion King yet. But yeah, better than all the Snow White movies. Uh, Man, what a summer! You I'm, didn't I'm, see Lion King. In the I'm theaters. saving Dumbo for next week because I've yeah. got I'm on a strict two movies. Yeah. Uh, podcast. Yeah. But I, I watched Dumbo. It is better than Dumbo. Yeah. Um, it's it's it's. I was surprised because of the backlash of Will Smith. If if the creators of this could have come out after the the trailer, the tease came out and went, trust us. Yeah, he was great. He was great, and the CGI looked good. The song he does, uh, "Friend Like Me," yeah, which is like the iconic Robin Williams song. Like, yeah, hey, look, man, you should probably just leave this whole thing out of the movie, Robin Williams. That's his. You know what I mean? Uh, they do a great job of. Making that song, redoing it, Will Smith putting like Will Smith rapper from the '90s flair on it, and it's great. Yeah, this this, this watching this movie with the bias that oh this isn't going to be as good as Rob Williams' performance is like watching the next James Bond movie and saying like oh he's never going to top Sean Connery. You might be right, but you're watching the movie wrong. Yeah, like <clears throat> he they do enough work. To make each character unique enough, like there's a couple shortfalls. I think, like I think there's, there's some weird shit. The romance between him and Nassim Padrad was, yeah, yeah. yeah. I also, whenever her name came up on the opening credits, I just blurted that out. Nassim, Nassim Padrad. It helps that the movie opens with like unnamed boaters, where like like. Of course, enough press has come out about this movie that you know that Nassim Pedrad's in a starring role, and you know that Will Smith is the fucking genie. So when there's like, why is this like young black man talking to these young black kids, and who's this woman? It's like these are the people who we've been told star in this movie. Like, I won't be deceived. Yeah, uh, I did not get as far as like the cave or whatever. The the, the cave scene's good. The yep. cave scene, but and it does the. Take a while to get there, but it's good. Yeah. My only complaint, I was being, I was, uh, we didn't turn it off because we thought it was bad. We, uh, we were, uh, just watching it together and it was late and so she had to go to bed or whatever. And so we, uh, while we were watching it, I was, it was perfectly fine. The only thing I wasn't wild about at that point was I thought Jafar was a little bland. That yep. kind of sucked. Yeah. yeah, I was so like, I was, I was just about to say this. I missed the finger twirling over the top See, cartoon. Like yeah, I, I really wanted a goatee stroking villain, like so fucking evil and so conniving yeah. that yeah. like 
his presence on screen is a clear indication something bad's going to happen. And he plays more of like a worm tongue type, which isn't, I mean, maybe it's my bias coming in, but it was just like. That's what we played in the original one, too, but you, it was for kids. So in the original one, it's like, we got to make sure they all know he's the bad guy. You know yeah. what I mean? But in this, they were like, we don't have to. And it's like, yeah, it kind of sucks the fun out of the He kind of still should, though, because yeah. he's like the most, he's kind of the most like charismatic character other than the genie right in the yeah. cartoon he's the one who should have all the like the personality yeah. he, he's like the most important casting choice after genie yeah. i think it yeah. is yep 100% and they his, sounds like they did fine with genie according to y'all yeah he's, he's fine for yeah. me they missed so far 20 minutes and the the lead couple were they were fine she was yeah. really good yeah um yeah i mean the and then the little anthropomorphic the monkey and the, the Iago. The monkey's terrifying. The monkey and the Iago. The, the, yeah, the, the monkey and the parrot are terrifying. There is some uncanny yeah, valley. Yeah, they're that like, monkey looked weird. They're <laughs> fucking nightmarish. Carpet yes. was great. They did a good job of carpet. Yeah, carpet was great. They didn't have to put a face on it, so that helped. I just want to take uh, <laughs> But it still had that like dog aspect like it did in the cartoon. Yeah. So yeah like, hey, Guy Ritchie, you know, you, they actually train monkeys, right? You can get a monkey for your movie. <laughs> like, that's the one animal you can get. <laughs> Have you seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? It's got a monkey. It does all the stuff. Family fucking friends. Yes. <laughs> you can get a that monkey. That still is the weirdest directing choice of, like, the decade for me. It's like, oh, a lot of actual lab cool. It's like, yeah, we got Guy Ritchie. It's like, wait, who? <laughs> yeah, why? It's like it's like, hey guys, I got a pitch for you. We do a live action Aladdin, okay, uh, with a little bit of lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. <laughs> this is like my number two or three favorite Guy Ritchie movie. Though. It's it's up there. <laughs> like, like, yeah, his movies can kind of get on my nerves after a while. That's what we did a homework. And, we did a homework movie recently that I was like, sorry, I just always thought this was like a Guy Ritchie movie. And I never watched it. <laughs> it was a Robert Downey Jr. movie, like in Hollywood. Oh, Kiss, uh, the Kiss, Kiss Bang Bang. Bang. Yeah, because it has that fucking title. It sounds like Guy Ritchie should direct that yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, if if you avoided this movie because you thought that the if the internet hype engine drove you away from watching this you will be pleasantly surprised at how competent they do the Aladdin story. It's a, an easy like three, three and a half star movie. Yeah. The animated version is better I think in almost every regard but this is a fine movie and if you're going to criticize why is Disney making live action versions of everything and you take aim at this one, you're wrong. This is a good case of modernizing and updating, especially because Will Smith makes the genie his own. Yeah. This is a perfect case for why they should be reintroducing these movies to new young people. Yeah. Cool. Um, but as a movie... Yeah, at least itself, they should be yeah. trying. Yes. Um, yeah. We're all... The three of us, I mean, David, I guess, does push back a little bit on this, but no, we're all... None of us ever asked the question of why is this getting made? Yeah. When his kid gets old enough... Uh, he will have to like fight her off from whatever the new live action Disney thing is yeah. that she'll want to see. That he'll be like, the original was better, know, man. They have, they already got to the nineties. They don't have too far to go. I mean, <laughs> I think I I don't ask why did this get made because I think it's a very obvious answer of, of well, this is gonna make money. And Who this did this is, get made? Yeah, um, but it's <laughs> it's more like uh, ow. <laughs> I almost, what I would ask for some movies, and I don't think I would ask this for Aladdin because I think Will Smith is an interesting enough choice on his own to make this at least like a, ah, let's see where this goes. Well, they're not making a sequel with the original cast. Right, but like uh, I would say is is maybe something like Beauty and the Beast, which feels a little more, that, that movie felt just very phoned in, you know? Yeah, they had, by comparison, but they had a different story to tell but, with the live action Beauty and the Beast. That's that's the thing that I will defend that movie for, is they had the more like classic French original movie version that they wanted to tell in the new one, using some of the Disney trappings and trailings with it. But uh, still, that movie—that's you saying this movie got made bad. Not why did it get made? That's a completely different. Yeah, I'm, uh, like I said, I'm not asking why did it get made. Yeah, but I mean, if you're complaining about bad movies, then yeah, you don't have to defend that, obviously. I'm, I'm saying I would, yeah, my only, I don't know why movies are being, like, so strictly remade in the same way. Sure. Well, just, but, I see yeah, but, but it's still just a movie-making problem. 
That's nothing else. It's in 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 the video game space. That's the remake, remaster, uh, like reissue. Yeah. Problem, where people will, were like, well. It's big news right now. Final Fantasy VII is being completely remade, and people are saying it's a different game, and that's making people pissed off. But it's like, well, we're either going to reissue it and just put out the same thing again for a new console. We're going to like update it, and we're going to like make the graphics better, or we're going to like change it in some way and modernize it. And like, right? But I'm saying like, with what Brent's saying, like obviously with Jungle Book and, and Aladdin now, that movies they're not all getting strictly remade, right? There are directors making choices to strictly remake them, but so it's I, but it's interesting. So I still understand what the I think. Well, I think what you're saying is fine, which is some of these movies suck, and I don't know why people want to make them shitty. I feel like it's so far removed from saying why should they get made that I don't know why I was brought up in the same conversation. Well, so I worry that I'm not understanding what you're saying. I think what I'm doing is defending the like the people who. If, if people are asking, there's no reason for this movie to exist other than just to be a regurgitation, like a cash cow, basically. Like, just because just it's free money. Lion King critics. Like, I, I think the defense of that is that these movies don't offer anything new for... Some of them don't. Right. Uh, don't offer anything new to the story. And they don't offer, like, a new take or anything on the story. Which goes in hand-in-hand with bad filmmaking. But I think it was purely bad filmmaking, though. Sure. Because there, are, because there are movies from the same studio that exist that don't do that. So we know the studio is not. Well, so, and we don't know which what they're doing for one movie or another. Like, well, we but we I, know they're not saying remake all these movies just like the old ones. We know that. All these, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's obviously some filmmaking that's going wrong there, right? Because it can't be the studio for all. I think this is an interesting conversation for a podcast. Not not that this is an interesting, but but specifically because this is the main criticism people lobbied against the live action Lion King. We could flesh it out more in a yeah. different podcast. We yeah. haven't seen the live action Lion King, but people's main complaint is they remade it basically shot for shot, and they didn't improve on it at all. Yeah, and so the why question people are answering with dollars. And that could be solely the answer, but I would love for the Lion King to do something different, and in which case I'm like participating in the wide debate without intentionally doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. I mean, I still think it's well. Well, it's obviously dollars. I mean, right. that's no even, movie gets made unless people think it's going to make money, except for the one we're going to talk about in a couple days. I mean, Star Wars yes. is getting released because it's going to make money. <laughs> Right, for example. Right. But at least, you know, there there's the argument with most new movies, even Marvel and Star Wars and all movies, that, like, there's something in the story that you haven't seen before. Right. And I think that's the argument that some people have against some of the Disney remakes, is that there aren't... Yeah, movies. I just don't think it's, like, why is this getting made is the complete wrong question to ask. Yeah. I think it's the... Because, s- like, what they're saying is, fuck the Jungle Book, I don't care if it was good, I'd rather none of these happen. Which is just bullshit. Right. Green fucking flag everything. Yeah. I don't care if bad movies get made. Yeah. I don't know why everybody else seems to. (laughs) That's all I watch. (laughs) Or can't talk about that I watch. Yeah. Um, Other than that, I'm going to transition into a little bit of breezy by saying that there was a a press briefing from uh, Nintendo recently. A Nintendo Direct... And the biggest news, for me at least, uh, lots of games got announced, lots of like cool stuff. Animal Crossing got a trailer, there's a new character coming to Smash Brothers. But uh, on the on their virtual console, they released a fuck ton of uh, Super Nintendo games. Oh, cool. And uh, so if you're a, a subscriber to the Nintendo Switch Online package, which is like $20 a year, you get 16 uh, SNES games for free. Did either of y'all have SNESs when you were kids? Yes. I yes. Did. I never did. We went from Nintendo to a Sega family. But So there's like... We picked wrong. <laughs> there, there's some real, like, best games of all time on this. There's Super Metroid's on there, A Link to the Past is on there, and Super Mario World's on there. Um, and there's a bunch of other games that are interesting. Um, I'm pl- right now I'm playing through Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Which is an incredibly hard game. Yeah, that's um, a lot of the stuff looked at. Is yeah, well, it helps because the the virtual console stuff on the Switch comes with a rewind button, 
So it's easy to just like, oh, I fucked up that jump, rewind. <laughs> oh, I fucked up that jump, rewind. Nice. Uh, but it, it famously, that game, once you beat it, you get to the end, and the princess goes, oh, uh, in the village that we both are from, I left something there that you need to get if you're really going to rescue me. And then you have to play the game all over again. Oh, that's my chapstick in the village. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got a little bit of news. This is the segment for it. Hot off the presses. This is uh, this came down the wire just about I don't know six hours or so before we uh, we rec- we hit record. Uh, Movie Pass announced today oh, yeah. that it is shutting down effective tomorrow. Yeah, it, it's funny because this news story. So comes... no don't see movies with it tonight. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, so, so I was still a subscriber to Movie Pass for a long time. Kicking and then about two months ago, they sent in an email, they sent in a thing, and they were like, Alright guys, we're going to have a temporary shutdown, we're going to update the app, we're going to update our agreements, and then we're going to be live as soon as we can, and we'll let you know. This is the next communication I've heard. Nice. It's like, please try, sorry. Yeah. Uh, got a few uh, actors who are going to be in Suicide Squad. Yeah. James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nathan Fillion. Nice. Pete Davidson. Nice. Uh, Taika Watiti. Awesome. Fun. Uh, Michael Rooker, Sean Gunn. Basically, okay. it's like half the cast of Guardians. Right. Yeah. Peter Capaldi, former oh, Doctor awesome. Who. Yeah. His nephew right now is like on the Billboard Top 10 hits. Nice. And John Cena. It's been added to that cast. I can't. I haven't seen him. Um, <laughs> I get it. Wrestling. <laughs> Woo! That's good casting if you're making a comedy, and I guess they're turning away from gritty, which is the best thing to do with that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Y'all want to know what's coming out this weekend? Yeah. We got some movies this weekend. What? I thought the choice is probably easy, but what movies? There are movies that that I know about. I don't even have to look. I normally have to pull up like multiple pages and get the Wikipedia plots ready, but not these. Uh, Ad Astro is coming out this weekend. That's okay. probably the biggest uh, Oscar push coming. Brad Pitt apparently is uh, acts his face off in this movie. It was really good in it. Yeah. So get ready for that. I hope he gets his face back. Uh, the Downton Abbey movie is coming out this weekend. I've never ever in my life. Hoped for a movie to not get nominated for Best Picture more than this film. <laughs> if I have to fucking watch this movie, which means if I have to understand this movie, I have to go back and watch that fucking PBS show that Chris keeps going, it's really good. <clears throat> um, was it you? I really like it. Yeah, fuck you. No, I'm not watching Down Abbey. <laughs> I've never seen a minute of it. I would like to, I feel like this is my chance to play the Kelly game of like Brent Kump tries to describe the plot of a movie he knows nothing about. Down to Abbey, all I can think about is that British soap opera that the manager from Major League is watching in the hospital. That's what I think. shit. That's what I'm thinking. All of this British shit. Is. Wait, what's your guess of what Downton Abbey's about? There's a vicar, and the vicar is uh, coming to Downton Abbey, and boy, he is going to uh, cause some ruffles and some dresses. What, what, <laughs> what if I told you that it was a, a political show about the tension between the help in a British like landed aristocrat's house and the actual aristocracy who live there. Oh, Would that interest Gosford. you a little bit in the show? I like Gosford Park. Yeah. That is what this show is. I do like Gosford Park. Is there a bunch of murder? There's some murder later. There's some murder! Later. <laughs> what do I tell you that a character named Master Bates is in it? Oh, that's right. I, remember. I know who plays Master Bates. It's uh, Tywin Lannister. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> No, it's not Simon Lannister. Oh. No, Master Bates is a different guy. Oh, you once... The uh, only, uh, only reason I thought I knew that is because Chris once on a podcast said, Charles Dance, Master Bates. <laughs> and I giggled for, like, weeks. I was talking about some weird X-Videos movie I saw. You know, uh, you know that production company, right? <laughs> they used to be videos. So the third option uh, is Rambo Last Blood. Oh, see, I, I need to see First Blood and then Middle Blood, of course. No, don't need to see those. Don't worry about that science. We're gonna put in some laughter. What's the Rambo? Then he like not kill anybody. (laughs) In the first movie, he only kills one person. Okay, that's that's the fun fact. Uh, Well, I'm obviously not voting for Downton Abbey or Rambo. It's Ad Astra. Yeah, Ad Astra is uh, probably gonna get nominated for Best Picture. The reviews are great. Um, 
the I didn't read the article, but I saw in Screen Rant or Google News or somewhere where it was like Brad Pitt's acting so good. Brad Pitt's acting was so good that the director had to scientifically like had to like add shit into the movie afterwards. Uh, I think it uh, has to do with crying in space. That's uh, my guess. But <laughs> what? I don't know. In don't space, know. no one Brad can Pitt hear you cry. So he's not supposed to, and they had to go back in and make sure the tears didn't fall down. His face. Okay, makes uh, perfect sense. What I don't say. Adam Brad Pitt direct so good act. Whatever the fuck I said. <laughs> Brad Pitt so good act. They had fix it. Ugh. So go see Ad Astra if you want to see tears fall up. <laughs> Don't fall. You boron. Uh, yeah. Right. out, Breezy. That's it. That's talking about... from this prison. <laughs> and, uh, it's so hot in this room. <laughs> and uh, please subscribe. Do all the things that I normally say for you to do at the end of this podcast. Most of all, give us a rating and subscribe. And second of all, thank you to the Willow Walkers. Thanks. And third of all, thank you to Burifa. Thanks. But not necessarily in that order. Bop, 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 bop. But in that order for which song they recorded. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Bye. Bye. <laughs>